This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler's Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, today we're pleased to introduce our Ringler Radio audience to Secured Futures, a nonprofit organization that prioritizes the physical and mental health needs of its clients, providing trustee and trust administration services to the disabled, the elderly, and minor children by means of a series of trust instruments commonly known as pooled trusts. And to help explain how it all works, I'm joined here by my co-host and Ringler colleague, Phil Krauss. Phil is Ringler's Managing Director of Strategic Planning and our go-to guy for all matters relating to trust. I hope hope you agree with that, Phil. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. <laughs> It's a, it's a tall order, but I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. It's it's. I know it's true for me. Well, our special guest today is Denise Latau, Vice President of Advancement for Secured Futures. Denise is a lawyer, and prior to Secured Futures, she practiced law, then became a trust advisor in the banking industry, where her primary focus was servicing the disabled and the elderly. So with that, welcome to Ringler Radio, Denise. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, Denise, for those in our listening audience who don't know, what is a pooled trust and and why are they important? A pooled trust is a trust that is established and administered by a nonprofit organization. And um, each beneficiary maintains or has a separate account established for them. But for the purposes of investment and management, the trust pools these accounts. So that's the main, that's really the main determining factor of what distinguishes a pooled trust from a regular trust is that the funds are pooled for investment purposes. The reason that pooled trusts are important is because they actually allow for individuals with smaller size trust to obtain professional management of their trust. So quite often, People have the uh, idea that they cannot have a trust fund, which is less than a million dollars or $500,000, administered professionally. If they had more awareness about the pooled trust world, they would actually know that this could occur. What does happen as a result of this lack of knowledge is that a family member quite often ends up administering these types of trust. And... Um, that usually doesn't go particularly well in in most cases. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so let me let me ask you this: for our audience would probably be wondering about this. So you have a lot of different accounts uh, participate in the pooled trust, and the investment takes place in a pooled fashion. The fact the the fees that are that that the trust would charge are they prorated back based on the amount of the uh, in, investment in the trust, or are they some is it done in some other way? Essentially, each separate account 
uh, is, is charged the appropriate fee. Each beneficiary actually has a share within, within the pool, but their account is individually charged. And that fee, each, the fee can be different depending upon where they are on the sliding scale. So some clients are, have, for example, a 1.75% rate and some have a much lower rate when they have larger amounts in, in the trust account. So, in that sense, no, it's 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 individualized in terms of, of how the accounts are charged. But, but, to your, but to your point, there's an opportunity, it sounds like, for somebody um, with a larger account to ultimately pay a lower fee. Um, and I, I think that once we reviewed uh, Secured Futures, we've seen that, you know, those fees can be significantly lower than that of an individual trust, you know, and going to an institution. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Our sliding scale, they can be significantly lower, significantly. Okay. Well, you mentioned the, you know, the types of beneficiaries and the types of pool trust. Can you give us a little kind of insight into secured futures and the different types of pools that, and beneficiaries that you serve? Okay. Our, our main expertise is really with special needs trust. And in that case, we are dealing with individuals with disabilities. So these are typically individuals that need to either preserve government benefits or who would, who, who need to qualify for government benefits. So the, the special needs trust actually allows for that. So our first, um, I guess client you would say would be a disabled individual. The second type of clientele that we cater to are minors. We have minors trust, um, minors often unfortunately, um, receive settlements, and those funds are usually court-mandated to be placed into trust. Our Miners Trust provides a, a great solution as opposed to, for example, a court depository, and it's set up in a Miners Trust. Um, we have certain restrictions, but we don't have to go to court every time a distribution is required which is the difference between that and, and a, a court depository situation. Mm-hmm. We also have trust for reg- individuals without disabilities or who are not minors, so t- essentially anyone. Um, we have support trusts, which are what I call regular trusts. We make distributions for health, education, maintenance, and support, so a very regular type of trust. Uh, we also have preservation trusts, so that's for, for individuals who really want to preserve their assets. Um, and in this case, typically income is being distrib- distributed, and this type of trust has to. We require that it has a 10-year life. Uh, this trust also provides great spendthrift protection for individuals. So the three categories are essentially disabled individuals, minors and any type of individual that wants to utilize a trust. Terrific. Well, you know, our audience likes to hear uh, real-life stories, uh, Denise. Tell us about your work with disabled clients, and if you could, share with us an example of uh, how uh, Secure Futures helped in that regard. Sure. Um, One of our more recent examples really had to do with a, a homeless man. Uh, he, I believe, was injured while he was in a park. Um, his 
attorney actually called me and stated, you know, we have this individual. He is actually on public assistance, which he desperately needs. He also um, was experiencing kidney failure. Uh, so he was receiving a settlement. We did place the funds into a special needs trust. We hired, in his case, a nurse because of his kidney disease. Um, she monitored him. We also found housing for him so that he could keep up with his dialysis because as, as a result of his homelessness, he was not um, regularly keeping up with his appointments. So this is really one of our more extreme examples of when we've had to step in for an individual who, you know, really did not have any family that could be of any assistance to him, who didn't have a place to live, um, who over the years, you know, hadn't taken proper care of himself medically. Uh, so it was one of our more type of extreme instances where, you know, obviously at the end of that day, you feel pretty good about yourself when you manage to um, help situate an individual under such dire circumstances. And, and Denise, for me, that was that's such a great example of not just, you know, what you do on a daily basis, but also what you're capable of in terms of your resources, which, you know, again, looking at secured futures as it relates to, you know, other larger kind of for-profit institutional trust companies, um, all of that service, all of those resources are included in that global fee that you charge, where I know that some of those institutional trust companies might charge additional hourly rates. Um, and so what I wanted to do is kind of ask you, you know, I understand you're a nonprofit organization, and I've talked a little bit about what I'll call institutional or for-profit organizations. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience in the past? Because I know that you've worked for both. I, I, the main um, differential is honestly with a with a for profit, you actually are not able to get as as involved in a lot of these types of of needs because the the main focus in that situation is really the administration of the trust, the management of the funds. Um, when you get into the nonprofit world. It takes on a kind of a uh, more of a social aspect or a personal aspect where you're looking at that person's needs more holistically. You're not only looking at the funds that you're managing, but you're looking at all of those other factors that you need to be concerned about, whether they're social economic, whether they're family dynamic. There are a number of, of factors that we end up also managing on behalf of of our clients, and I think it's just because it's, it's number one, it's a different approach. Um, number two, um, we are not. Um, my role within a a for profit was not only to service clients, but also to bring in business regularly. So it was almost more focused on bringing in business uh, and less focused on actually servicing the client. Um, in this scenario, I think it's the opposite. I think we're more focused on servicing the client. Mm, interesting, and that's uh, that's a real plus for uh, for a lot of folks out there that need that kind of attention, but uh, really, in in certain circumstances, just can't seem to get it or afford it. So that's uh, terrific uh, that you do that. Well, let's take a quick break right now, but we'll be right back in just a minute, right here on Ringler Radio. We'll be right back. 
This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. There's a Ringler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler advisor nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, joined by my co-host, Phil Krauss from Ringler's Fort Lauderdale office, and our special guest, Attorney Denise Latow, Vice President of Advancement for Secured Futures. Well, Denise, why don't you explain to our audience the Ringler partnership with Secured Futures and how you get involved with our structured settlement consultants? How I get involved with uh, Ringler settlement consultants is currently in two different ways. Uh, The first is that Phil actually involves me uh, in a particular matter uh, and asks me to provide some advice to a particular consultant or people call me directly with regard to, again, different case scenarios and really ask me to provide the correct trust solution Um, because there are a lot of different variables in a number of these settlement cases uh, some whether individuals are receiving benefits, some they are not, but perhaps they would like to. Um, some they no longer want to receive benefits, but perhaps we should have some concerns about uh, the future. So what we're really trying to do or what I'm really trying to do is to provide the best solution based on the current facts and what may occur in the future or what we should be concerned about in the future. I know in specific cases that you and I have worked on uh, together, Denise, that you've really helped to expand our understanding of what the needs are and maybe considerations are as it relates to the injured person or disabled person, you know, their family, um, and specifically, as you said, kind of the future planning. And I know specifically in a case we were working on recently, um, you know, unfortunately, it's a disabled uh, adult where his parents are taking care of him, but his parents are in their 70s. And, you know, there's really going to be a need because they're his primary caregivers for somebody to kind of pick up uh, that torch and continue to take care of that individual uh, if the parents are no longer capable. And I think that that's another, you know, aspect of the work that you've done, um, just really acting as that, essentially that backup plan and that support system in those cases. Right. When I, when I have the opportunity, I do like to review the life care plans. Yes. Um, pretty mm-hmm. much, pretty much in their entirety, because then they do provide you with the the family dynamics. They do provide you with an exhaustive list of the of the needs medically of the individual um, and those costs, but it and also the background of of how an injury was sustained. 
And all of those things should be part of, of how you're planning. It also lets you know um, if one or two parents are involved, if there are siblings involved, uh, what's the living situation? What would they like the living situation perhaps to be? Uh, what are the other uh, larger ticket items needed, such as do they need a handicapped accessible van? Do they need, do they actually need major um, modifications to the home? So those are the types of things that when we have that knowledge, it's better for us to make a recommendation uh, in terms of not only the type of the trust, but in some cases, you know, what amount you probably should start out with in the, in the trust simply because it's going to make your clients a lot happier, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they do have those, those larger ticket items that they need right away that they've waited years for. Um, and, and in that sense, if we can start boots on the ground, making sure that those immediate needs are met, your clients are a lot happier at the end of the day. Sure. Now, Denise, as you know, uh, in those circumstances, oftentimes the plaintiffs will have a life care plan uh, and mm-hmm. the defense will as well. Right. And, and oftentimes the plaintiff's life care plan will include items that may or may not be significantly necessary. Do you make any judgments when you look at those life care plans as to what you think is actually needed or you're just you're just going on what you're presented with and, and go from there? I, If I'm reviewing both, I'm thinking it's probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> uh, so um, <laughs> that's, but um, also, as we as we actually have clarity as to actually what's going to be, um, what the settlement's actually going to be, that's really when the reality of this situation is. You know, this is this is what should should be done, and this is what has to occur. Um, to mo- mainly to ensure that the needs are met, um, and also to ensure that uh, if there is family involvement. That, that the family uh, is feeling comforted by what, how we are able to assist them with their loved one. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, as for being in the middle, I often say that when it comes to life care plans, the plaintiffs usually present a Cadillac plan, the defendants <laughs> yes. present a Chevrolet plan, and truth lies somewhere in a Buick, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, the, the, middle. the plaintiffs are definitely going all out, and the defendants are trying not to. Right. So um, I guess that's part of it. Yeah, sure. So, so uh, Denise, I heard you're talking about, uh, you know, how the large financial for-profits differ from the non-profits like your, like your organization. But explain what the risk might be that someone might incur by going with one of those big trust companies. What what is that that maybe the audience doesn't quite understand? The the actual the number one risk is that every large financial institution has a minimum of which they will accept. A pooled trust in most cases does not, or the minimum is quite low. So what's going to happen is is that if you do start out with X Y Z bank with a million dollars. Uh, once your account hits about $200,000, they're going to start looking for a successor, meaning you're probably not going to go through the life of your trust with one trust company. Sure. So, Denise, you know, you talked a little bit before about some of the uh, kind of the differences and risks of working with a private, you know, larger financial institution versus secured futures. 
Um, can you specifically talk about, you know, again, what I'll call the minimums and the requirements of those organizations? And is it also your understanding that those organizations are increasing those minimums and kind of what that means to the individual beneficiaries? Sure. Um, actually, when I started out in the trust business with a larger financial institution, the, the minimum at that time was $1 million. And I will say that was a, a regional financial institution. The national financial institutions have generally a $2.5 million minimum and in some cases a $5 million minimum. Wow. Which really means that a large part of the population will not be able to obtain their services. That's truly what that does, that does mean. And, um, if you are perhaps starting out with 1 million or 2.5 million and you are a younger individual, uh, meaning that there's a possibility that your trust account may diminish, um, if you do reach a certain level, let's say around $200,000 or so, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to try to find a successor trustee for you. Um, because they're not really interested in administering those smaller types of trust. So you lose that continuity uh, along the way, and it uh, nobody wants to see that. Uh, I'm sure, with, especially when they're dealing with uh, disabled uh, children or whatever they they have uh, to deal with. And uh, obviously, the consistency of dealing with someone at your your firm is going to be a benefit to them. So uh, I can understand the risk of going to a to one of those big. Big organizations, as you say, uh, versus something on the, on a smaller level with with no minimums, which would be what Secured Futures is. Um, so, Denise, I know you mentioned a little bit about uh, Secured Futures and the types of beneficiaries that you serve and the organization serves. Um, and I know that all of those for-profit institutional trust companies uh, serve the types of uh, you know clients and beneficiaries that you're willing to serve. So, can you just explain to me? the difference between uh, maybe beneficiaries that you're more apt or capable of serving because of the resources and, and background that you have? Yes. Um, I, I would say that we're definitely better at uh, servicing clientele, either with mental illness or some type of substance abuse issue. Um, that is something that um, we are all quite uh, cognizant of. We've been or at least we have a certain amount of training in working with these types of individuals. I know that when I was working at larger financial institutions, there was very little tolerance for these types of clients. Um, And ultimately, um, in most cases, there was a resignation simply because um, the staff is really not trained for that. And, And the focus really is, in that type of, in the financial institution setting, it's administering and managing money. It's, it's not so much about worrying about, um, how we can best serve an individual who has these types of needs or who has these types of issues. So we are trying, if, if we can get them to a point of willingness, we're trying to find the appropriate programs for them or assist the families to find appropriate programs for them or benefits for them um, in other ways that can basically enhance or improve the quality of their lives and not just kind of, you know, distribute funds when needed. So, again, it's a very holistic approach because we are getting involved 
pretty much in every aspect of our clients' lives. So, Denise, you mentioned uh, that you, again, have specific training and your folks have specific training in working with, you know, folks that have mental illness and substance abuse. And that's really a great resource for us because I know quite a few of our consultants work in the class action and mass tort space. And you have, obviously, some of these pharmaceutical settlements where you have a whole host, if not hundreds, of claimants that have these types of issues. So, I know that we've found that very valuable, being able to bring you in as a resource and present you to either defense or plaintiff as somebody who can handle, you know, in mass, all of those claimants in one shot. So we appreciate that. So Denise, in closing, what are some of the other advantages of working with Secured Futures? Uh, You know, a lot of us, you know, deal with issues like quick turnaround times we'd like to see or back office uh, after the fact, technology potentially that you may have. Give us a a, a little... snapshot about that? A major advantage, especially if you have an individual that needs to have a trust set up very quickly, we can pretty much turn that around in 24 to 48 hours. Um, And that's that's provided that the paperwork is in order, the funds are available. We can do it that quickly. Otherwise, we're looking at, you know, really about about three days. Um, We also have proprietary software which uh, does allow for virtually anyone working in our office to be able to assist an individual who calls in. Um, so while we do have typically someone assigned to work with a beneficiary, anybody can actually actually um, either return a call or respond to a call with regard to, for example, I made a request for a distribution. I haven't seen it yet. Do you know uh, what's the what's, mm-hmm. how is that in terms of the process, or when is that? When am I going to receive my funds, or whatever that might be? So pretty much any anyone in the office can handle a call like that. Um, we are very very client oriented. Um, that's really the the main part of the training that we have of our folks in the office is really to be to be caring and to be listeners. Um, we do have a lot of clients, as we just spoke uh, yeah. recently, who not only have disabilities but may have mental illness or may suffer from some sort of substance abuse. Um, so we have found the right people who can have the requisite amount of empathy to take those calls and to assist and assist our clients. And another great benefit, I think, is that um, we're in 49 states. The exception is Connecticut. Um, so somebody can move from one state to the next without having to have all of their documents redone, for example. Mm-hmm. Or it's a very, very simple process. It's basic. There's no um, having to find another trust company in a different state. Terrific. So terrific. provided they don't move to Connecticut. <laughs> we, <laughs> well, cons- considering, we considering that's it. my home state, I, I, I take offense <laughs> to that, but uh, in any event, in any event, we, we, we know one thing that empathy and responsiveness are, are two wonderful things to have. And, and we appreciate the fact that your, your organization has them. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Denise, how would they do that? Uh, the best way is by virtue of my direct line, which is area code 267-327-4087. Okay, so great. I'll say that one more time. Yeah, um, go ahead. 267-327-4087. And also by email, which is d 
L like Larry, E like Edward, T like Tom, T like Tom, A like Anthony, U like under, at secured, futures with an S, dot org. Terrific. And Phil, if someone wanted to talk to you, how would they do that? Uh, they can reach me via email, uh, just at pkraus at ringlerassociates.com is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Terrific. And of course, all of you can go to ringlerassociates.com. It's a great website. You can reach any of the Ringler Associates around the country. It's got great information on many, many topics, including trusts and pool trusts. And I think you'll uh, you'll find it uh, you know very informative for yourselves. And of course, you can you'll also find all the Ringler Radio shows on ringlerassociates.com. You can also find them on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or you can go to iTunes where the podcasts and these shows are all appear. You can download them. You can put your earbuds in and listen to them at your leisure, and uh, listen to Denise and Phil and I talk about pool trusts and secured futures. So with that, Denise, I want to thank you very much for being a great guest. I want to thank you for having me. Terrific. And Phil, thanks for being a great co-host. Thank you. I appreciate it. Terrific. And for the rest of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. Today.